welcome to the Man Talk Show, Training for Men, Answers for Women. I'm Connor Beaton, and today joining me is Regu Marcus, who is the director of the Ram Dass Love Serve Remember Foundation and host of the Mind Rolling Podcast on the Be Here Now Network. Uh, he also helped to produce Becoming Nobody, which is a film documentary uh, about Ram Dass. And so today, I have the honor of connecting with him and speaking with him about spending 50 years alongside Ram Dass and going on just some incredible spiritual journeys. So we talk about quite a bit on this podcast episode. We dive into consciousness. We talk about finding a, a deeper sense of interconnectedness with life, with people, with purpose, with passion. Regu shares some of his, his personal experiences and stories of spending time with Ram Das and Maharishi. And so we kind of go into a few different areas, but I think one of the pieces that I really uh, loved the most about this episode is that he is able to share some behind the scenes story of what it was like to, you know, not only be with Ram Das, but learn from his teachings and learn from the teachings of their guru. Um, and this is a, a very sort of spiritual centric podcast, but we really try to root it and ground it in reality, in action, in embodied principles. And so uh, we talk about meditation and breath work and how you can start to integrate these practices into your daily life. So it's a, a really fun podcast. He's got a great sense of humor. Um, and before I bring him on, just a quick uh, housekeeping note for all the men that tune into this, uh, just a reminder that the Alliance is still open. It's free for a month. Um, feel free to come and check it out. Right now, we've got about 225 guys in the program, and uh, we've broken everyone into teams. So you'll get your own men's group uh, where you'll meet biweekly, and we have weekly calls that I lead. We do a book club, and right now we're doing No More Mr. Nice Guy, and we bring in resources. So Dr. Robert Glover, uh, who I had on the podcast last week, is actually coming to do a private uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy Q&A with the, with the men in the group this this month. Um, so if you're listening to this now then and you've been considering it, definitely sign up and you'll get access to the live Q&A with him. And we'll be doing that moving forward on a monthly basis where we'll bring in experts on fitness, health, finances, you name it, and we will dive deep into supporting you in, what, in whatever aspect of your life you're looking to work on, relationships especially, as that is a big uh, component of my work and my teachings, along with shadow work. So uh, if you're curious about that, go to connorbeaton.com and check out the Alliance or mantalks.com and check out the Alliance there. Um, and that's it on that front. So without any further delay, please welcome Mr. Regu Marcus. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I recently uh, watched... Um, the 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 becoming nobody uh, about Ram Das and you uh, are the producer of that and I really wanted to have you on the show and then I saw you on the Aubrey Marcus podcast and learned a little bit more about your journey and mm. uh, and so that that was wonderful um, but let's let's just start off with with some groundwork and I have to ask the question all my listeners want to hear which is tell us a, a story about a defining moment in your life definitely. Definitely a defining moment. Uh, it was when I met Ramdas. Uh, I've told this about a billion times, but <laughs> it bears telling again. I was a program director of a freeform rock and roll station back in the day. And uh, I got a call saying, 
somebody wants you to announce a lecture being given at McGill University, which was the big school in Montreal. And I said, okay, put them through. And they said, okay, we, we'd like you to uh, promote this lecture, a talk by a man named Ramdas. And I was like, who or what is that? You know, okay. although I knew about Eastern stuff, I had done psychedelics, I had Maharishi Mahesh Yogi stuff, you know, meditation stuff, uh, Hare Krishna, you know, used to go over there to eat. On Sunday, they had fabulous food. So I had some idea. But I said, who's that? And they said, well, you know, Tim Leary and Richard Alpert. And I went, oh, I love them. And uh, I said, but send me a tape over so I can hear what you're talking about. Something he, You must have something he's done before. And they did. And I went in and talked about defining moment, every word. And for anybody, I mean, you saw the movie, and I'm sure you've heard Ram Dass before. You know, he is just so powerfully potent in his explication of, of the way things are and the way things can be, shall we say. And so I was just like, I put it right up on the air, actually. It was like the middle of the week in the lunchtime kind of thing. Nobody ever heard anything like this in Montreal before, I can assure, or I'm sure wherever it first played, it was a similar thing, but the switchboard lit up, people going like, what? And I said to these people, okay, I need to go meet this guy. So they gave me the address and they somehow told him I was coming and I went over there and it was just him. He was in a private home. Nobody else was there in the moment. And I just walked in and he was like, right, contacted me right here in the eyes and just completely let go of Richard Alpert, Ramdas. They were gone. There was only me, him creating this environment that featured me as the last person in the world that, that he was ever going to see. That kind of feeling, you know, it was an amazing thing. Total attention, total just kindness and compassion and love, you know, just being there. Talk about being here now. And uh, it just engendered this uh, wonderful trust. And I was like, I don't think I'd had that experience maybe since, you know, I was a baby or something with my mother, you know, that kind of unconditionality and attention. And that would, one would say, was a gigantic defining moment because after that, I used to see him at his father. He had a, his father had a farm. We used to he used to bring people together. All these young hippies, you know. I mean, we're talking people like seventeen to twenty four. You know, that was the kind of age group. Look, some of us bugged him and said, "Look, we got to go meet this guy." You talk about this. He there was no name, nothing, just his guru. Hmm. You know, but he told all these stories that were like, and, and because there was so much trust, I and others totally believed what he was saying was real you know there wasn't i didn't have a even though i was cynical and i was you know i didn't know anything about anything but there was something that struck me that i needed to find i needed to get there so uh i did get there when he went back you know about a little less than a year after i met him and uh and then i met this being, Neem Karoli Baba, which was extraordinary because I'd never met a, 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 a human 
that wasn't interacting with me the way I normally understood how we humans interact. Mm. You know, subject, object, you know, you look at somebody, okay, who are you? And, you know, how do we, what, you know, and defense mechanism, all that. God, that was not happening whatsoever. It was a one-way street. It was like a pool that I walked into. And the first thing, as soon as I saw him, I went, oh, shit, that's what Ramdas was all about. He was just, you know, this was just a channel for whatever this thing is, which I, I didn't know, except that I knew I was home, and I knew I knew him forever before or after. You know, it was one of those ineffable things, like on acid, basically, you know, ineffable moment, really ineffable moment. I guess if you take those two things into uh, their uh, inexperience, you know, they're tied together, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, I knew then I was just going to play out whatever karma I had through the rest of my life, you know, and hopefully get through letting go of and becoming a little bit of nobody, which is right, the, the movie that you saw. I mean, Ramdas had the ability to let go in the moment. You know, he worked through his shit through life. And at the end of his life, he really was somebody who was doing what the only teaching we got. Love everyone, serve everyone, and remember the divine presence. Mm. That's it. And he, he got to that point, certainly, by the end of his life. Yeah, I remember uh, part of his teachings were, were talking about his, his some of his frustrating experiences uh, with Neem Karoli Baba talking about, you know, tell, tell the truth and love everyone. And, mm -hmm. and that those two things seem to <laughs> not always go together in the moment. But I, I, you know, I'm curious about your experience as you, you know, you moved out of, out of your normal life and found yourself uh, over there meeting these people and having these experiences. How, how did you start to change? What, you know, what, what did your connection with, yeah, spirituality look like as, as you started to evolve in that space? Yeah, people ask this question. After all these years, what's so new, as they say in Yiddish? <laughs> what's <laughs> up now, buddy? One of the prime things that, that I would say is, uh, aside from all the practices that I learned and, and the way that they became comfortable, you know, people like, for instance, around meditation, people go, I can't. I can't me meditate. My, I'm just having lots of thoughts and, and I'm jittery. And yeah, right. You're the only one doing that. <laughs> okay. We are all in the same boat. And I learned how to sit down in the morning the same way I learned as a kid to brush my teeth. Hmm. So these things became a matter of changing habitual patterns. And that's a huge thing, right? But one of one of the most natural outcomes is certainly not believing in my thoughts the way i used to not following uh react you know reacting to stimuli coming in from outside and following that down the rabbit hole right mm -hmm. there's a lot more spaciousness now i'm not just knee jerk you know reacting or believing in my story or you know, I understand now my motivations, my self-interest way better than I ever did. So, you know, mindful, the, a natural occurring mindfulness 
uh, developed over these many years. And I would say that's the most important uh, aspect because only then can you be of some use to people around you, right? A little bit more kinder. If you're that with yourself, a little kinder, a little more compassionate, a little self-love, then you have a chance at uh, radiating that out to anybody that you're around. Yeah, can you can you maybe say more about the the idea of not believing your thoughts? Because I think for the average person, they they hear that, and what you know what I've noticed. I remember a, a teacher of mine, a mentor of mine, saying, "You you have thoughts, but you're not your thoughts." And my initial response was, "What the hell does that mean? You know, like what does that what does it actually even mean? How do I even conceptualize that?" And so you know, for the average person, when they when they hear that, does it mean that they should? question their thoughts or does it mean that they create distance from their thought from their thoughts and and sort of become awareness more like what does that what does that look like in a meditative practice there's a great uh, teacher non-dual teacher named adia shanti i don't know if you know him if not yeah get a, get a couple of his books they're they're really pretty great hmm. so i did a i did a podcast a mind rolling podcast with him and he said yeah, when I was really young, I mean really young, like a little kid, you know, and I'm looking around at all these adults and they're bickering or they're drinking or they're or they're interacting with each other in a very aggressive manner. You know, I kept wondering, what is what is this? What's going on? It didn't make any sense. And then he got a little bit older and he said, one day it dawned on me that these people believe their thoughts. He had that thought. And that led him to meditation and uh, having, uh, you know, really uh, awakening experiences a little bit later in his life when he was still young. I mean, come on. Let's just watch these thoughts. I mean, so practice is necessary. So you're able to have some kind of witness, but not a witness from your ego mind, the me, me, the mini me, which goes, you shithead, you're thinking this terrible thing. I mean, not that one, okay, the one that Ram Dass talks about, which is in the center of your chest, you know, spiritual heart, soul, pure mind, whatever tradition you're in. And it's, it's move, practice allows you to move from that place. So then you are seeing this run-on of thoughts, one, monkey mind, right? Just one after the other after the other. And you start to see that is not who you are. This is a, these thoughts are a result of A, we have an ego, we need to pop around here and do stuff and work and all of that, but we don't need to believe the kind of stuff that crops up on a, you know, minute to minute, micro minute basis, you know, uh, I mean, like you have a thought, you get up in the morning, you have a thought, okay, got to go to the bathroom, got to brush my teeth, right, you know. You don't, there's nothing there. It's just, it's what's necessary to allow you to go through the day as a human. Hmm. But then you might have a thought, Jesus, my wife last night, oh my God, she was just ripping into me. You know, and boy, I, you know, you suddenly a whole story develops around that, around what was done to you by, hmm. in this case, your wife or your husband, right? And you enlarge that story to the point where it absolutely grabs every emotion inside you and you either want to rip her to shreds or him or you're feeling cowed and, oh my God, how am I going to live? 
that's what I mean about believing in thoughts, mm. okay? And we're doing this all day long. We're doing it at work. We're doing it with our families. We're doing it with our friends. We're reacting to the news. I mean, you know, look what's going on right now. Kind of fear and anxiety over the virus. I mean, it's pretty radical. So um, it uh, there's a great uh, talk, actually, uh, Ramdas has done around uh, fear and the witness. Mm. where it directly addresses uh, just what we're going through right now and how to move into that place, which is non-judgmental, because we're human. So you have these thoughts, and some of them are dark, and some of them are paranoid, and some of them are whatever, and and you can feel yourself gripped and glued onto them. And you go, okay, it's okay. I, you know, I'm human, and and these are thoughts that are naturally arising because of my interaction with either objects, people, situations, uh, whatever is coming into our field that we are reacting to. Hmm. And again, if you have a solid practice of being able to really witness all of this stuff from a, a non-judgmental viewpoint, they will radically reduce in intensity. Mm -hmm. They will, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the really, I mean, there's a lot of important aspects to what you're talking about, but the, I think the ego is such a fascinating thing, right? It just it wants to reinforce itself. It wants to latch on. Um, you know, I think the, the, you know, the concept nowadays of spiritual bypassing uh, sort of has become very prominent because our, our ego sort of levels up with our, our consciousness, yeah, yeah. right? It wants, it wants new things to grab onto and, and, and grab a hold of. And so is, how do we become just more, uh, I mean, maybe I'll just speak for myself. I've noticed that the more that I practice that space of awareness, I, I was a big uh, follower of Anthony DeMello, um, st you know, still am. I love his work and his mm, content. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, and Ram Dass and this idea of finding a little bit of a space to, to reside as the observer, to reside as awareness. I think Ram Dass would say loving awareness can create this, ability to sort of watch the ego flail, you know, and watch, watch the, watch the ego sort of try and grasp onto something. And so when you, when you talk about being around someone like Neem Karoli Baba and you, and you talk about this sort of like vessel, right? What's, what's that experience like? Do you, is, is it, is it that there's no ego there? Is it, is it that the ego sort of at bay? Like what's, what was, what was in, your experience of that? In Neem, in Neem Karoli Baba, what was, yeah. Yeah. I should know what was in there. I wish I knew what was in there. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're like, really? You're asking me? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, but I did I now I use the analogy. It was like a computer that just did the right thing for everybody. There was nothing it needed. There was it was more like an it. I mean, even though he had a personality, he had fun. Imagine, you know, like playing around with these little westerners that you know came i mean and many of us you know ended up doing things that hopefully were uh, good good uh, offerings here in the west you know like larry brilliant uh, helped cure smallpox in india hmm. at the time and now is on you know helping with this pandemic he's on cnn all the time you know so there was a method to the madness of these crazy young Westerners that he was hanging out with. And, and there were no teachings, no nothing, you know? I mean, except he'd do this. And he'd go in Hindi, sabek, 
there's only one, 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 you know, that, you know, that kind of thing. So I, yeah, the, this is a being and there's, it's a very rare being that they called in India Siddhas, that the only reason that they reincarnate is for people, not, there's nothing, they don't have any karma to go through. They are not, I, there's no subject object. They're living from the one, right? So th that's, you know, an extraordinary space. And so being around that space, you, you, you walk away and go, what happened? You know, like, there's no time and space. You know, where am you're not thinking about past, present, future, you know, and you, I mean, other times it, it was, it was different. It was like, as time went on and we saw a little glimpse of the reality of what such a thing is, which is a manifestation of divine presence that, that you can actually touch, which is extraordinary. But then you started seeing your mind. You were like, oh my God. God, Ramdas tells that story beautifully, right? When he first met Neem Karoli Baba, he had, you know, he was a few days earlier out in the, taking a pee and suddenly he's thinking of his mother who had died eight months before of uh, spleen cancer and never thought about it again. Suddenly he's sitting in front of Mahar Neem Karoli Baba, we call everybody in India is called Maharaji. The sweepers go, hey, Maharaj, what's up? You know, so it's, it's, a, it's an endearment thing. Um, and uh, Suddenly, Maharaji said to him, I mean, you all can read, be here now, shouldn't be here now. Hey, weren't you out the other night? You were under the stars, and suddenly you were thinking about your mother? And Ramdas is going, yeah, you know, having paranoid delusions like what the cia is here how yeah. did he know that you know and it wasn't like mind reading because he wasn't thinking about it it was just knowing right yeah. so then he told the story of his mother she died and in english he went spleen mm. which he didn't speak english right and ramdas at that point fell apart you know that was his trigger that was it in that moment but then when that happened he started thinking shit if he knows that he knows everything i'm thinking and that's not good stuff i don't want yeah. anybody else to know <laughs> and yeah, he looked he looked up at, at neem karoli baba you know who's just looking at him with complete unconditional love everything is loved and that's a and and if you if you can absorb that and do that for yourself so that when you have dark, your own, you know, you're sitting around, you have all this bullshit going on in your head and you just, it's bringing it in and, and surrounding it with spaciousness at the very least, mm. you know, love that thought. That's what Ram Dass used to say. Yeah. Just, and be with it. You know, there's, there's some great, um, I particularly like Tibetan Buddhist practices and there's one great Lama, um, her name is Lama Sultram Alioni, and she wrote a book. Um, um, it's all about, I can't remember the title right now, but uh, if you ask, we'll get it in your show notes. You know, yeah. you'll, you'll write me. Uh, but it's about um, embracing the demons and inviting them for a cup of tea. Come on, hang out, but then you got to go. Rather than, oh my God, that thought, oh God. You know, it's two opposite ways of being and as you say with a little bit of awareness 
and you 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 can't get into a place where you're judging yourself you can and we do but then you got to let that go and that's again practice 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 you've got to have a practice that allows you to connect with the deeper part of yourself let's just say it that way and in that sense you are not judging yourself you are allowing it to be and when you do judge yourself you you look at that and go that's cool you know i'm i'm human yeah yeah my, my my teacher used to talk about the spiritual ego right wanting to find transcendence immediately you know wanting to have enlightenment in an instant and and sort of reach these these states that we often hear about right we hear about people like ramdas talking about and uh yeah, i'm i'm curious for you when you know in, in your spiritual journey you've been on this path for a very long time what what were some of your i guess challenges you know along this along this path where did you sort of get lost or feel incredibly frustrated uh, on on the spiritual path because i think that from most people that i've worked with or talked to at some point they go through a dark night of the soul or they they sort of lose the connection or lose the quote unquote faith that they have and i'm curious what that's been like for you there there's a nice little story that maybe introduces what i have gone through um there's a great buddhist teacher named joseph goldstein he and Sharon Salzberg and uh, Jack Cornfield brought back Vipassana meditation, which is if anybody asks me, well, what's the first meditation I should do? That's it. Okay, insight meditation. You can go to any of these three people's websites. You'll find your way through. It's extremely effective. It works with breath in the initially. So he was doing a retreat with, we used to do these retreats with Ram Dass and Krishna Dass and others uh, in Maui where Ramdas lived and uh, Joseph was there and one of the Ramdas's younger caretakers was driving him around or something. And he had the good sense to say, Joseph, I'm, you know, I'm on the path and I've only been on the path for several years or whatever. What would be the one thing that you could tell me that, that would be the, the greatest advice, okay, for me? For, for anybody, but, you know, especially me that's new to the path. And Joseph just looked at him and he went, stop clinging. That was it. Hmm. And so, as I have become, over this long period of time, much more aware of my self-interest, my motivations, and so on, uh, self Cherishing is the way that Tibetan Buddhists might put that uh, in one little basket there. You know, mm. I love that self cherish. Yeah, we are like, yeah, me, you know, all the time. Um, and so seeing that over the years, sometimes that can get like overwhelming. We're like, okay, that's still going on, jealousy <laughs> or something. It's still going on. My God, you know, so not to the point where. I was losing that connection that I had in any way where I felt desperate. I guess that's the, the, the good fortune, good karmas of meeting a being like this. That was too powerful to ever dismiss. Mm. I could never say, well, that was fun back then. You know, nothing like that. That it's present now. He, I mean, he has been, um, all these years since he left that body, he has been touching people and contacting people 
appearing in that body, not to those of us that saw him back then, but to other people. He obviously doesn't need a body to do whatever he needs to do with the, the uh, I, they say that these kind of beings have a kind of soul pod, that's Ramdas's words, but um, there's a whole, you know, bunch of souls that are moving with this particular vibration. And uh, that all sounds woohoo, but uh, I do believe it. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, it's it's interesting because the more, like my, my background is in Jungian psychology and a lot of mm -hmm. what Jung talked about is actually, is actually quite relevant and very similar to some of the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, right? You talk about, Jung talked about embodying the demon, right? And that the idea that, or embodying the monster is the idea that we need to learn how to love the shadow side of our psyche, yeah. right? We yeah. actually need to learn how to turn towards mm -hmm. it and embrace it and find compassion for it so that it doesn't rule over us. And and then I remember hearing Ramdas years back, you know, talk about love your dark thoughts. And I was like, yeah. what, so, what is this? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course he was, you know, he, he went through all the psychology stuff when he was at Harvard and before Harvard. Um, I, I will say just to not, not to correct you, but Neem Karoli Baba never said anything about that. You know what he's Ramdas, of course, said a lot yeah. about that, and <laughs> and it certainly aligned with uh, Jung. But uh, it just reminds me of somebody saying to Neem Karoli Baba, um, "What do I do with like you know demony kind of stuff and dreams and this?" You know, and Maharaji looked at him and he went. There are no demons if you love God. Hmm. Seems like the most simplistic kind of statement that who's like, what? You know, but the way in which it was said to us in that moment, we completely got it. You know, not that we could embody it, but we got it. And that that enabled us to embrace that kind of stuff, you know, shadow. It allowed us to have a path to embrace that shadow. Yeah, understanding that. Yeah, almost, almost like a a permission to start to lean into those parts. Yeah, that we, that we would normally reject or avoid. Yeah, can can you maybe say a little bit more about the the concept of of becoming nobody and what it was like for you? I would like to get into a little bit of of creating the film itself, but can you just get into a little bit around the concept of becoming nobody and what that what that means for the average person? That's a good question. What it means for the average person? The real becoming nobody is somebody like Neem Karoli Baba. That became, you know, well, he came into this life a nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Maharaji, you're a nobody. You came here as a nobody. Um, but for us, I mean, my experience of Ramdas, for instance, that first moment, I said there was no Richard, there was no Ramdas, there was just a pool that I could step into and feel completely at home hmm. with a stranger. And he did that. Now, he, he didn't do that every day, but he could do that. He was more like that at the latter part of his life, when all the last 15 years in Maui. Um, but for us, it is, I mean, if you see the movie, if, when you watch the movie, whoever hasn't seen it, uh, it is really great. I don't say that subjectively, uh, but I think it's really helpful. Because you see, it starts off all around our identity and the roles and the causes and conditions that create them and how we um, 
we go through life in, you know, in a bit of a paper bag over our head and we're walking around. We don't really know what the hell's going on, right? And uh, it has a, all to do with how we relate to ourselves. And in the movie, gradually these things, uh, because you can't stand it anymore, so you find uh, ways to look out. I mean, for many people, of course, psychedelics, but then you, you, know, you go to a yoga class, you ask a question there that leads to something else, or you read a book or a friend tells you about this. Stuff happens, and you start to trust that intuitive process inside you that's taking you to where you need to go to become less attached and less clingy, <laughs> to back to clingy, right? So that starts to happen. And then uh, there's a point in the movie I love the most, actually, um, where uh, Ramdas says something like, when is what I want enough? When is what I need enough? It's much more interesting to be of service. He doesn't say it quite like that, but it's much more interesting to help people. It's much more interesting to think outside of you into th what you can do to serve somebody. And, and it's little things. Like, here's becoming nobody. You know, I, I meet you and, you know, we're meeting right now and then maybe we'll meet again someday. Are you in Los Angeles, actually? I'm in Vancouver, but I, oh, I, you're usually, in Vancouver. I usually live in New York. But oh, .ca, Canada. Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so we're Canadian brothers. Yeah. Um, and if we were to meet in Vancouver uh, or L.A., uh, and I'd be with you and you would be with me in just direct contact. Do you know how many times that this happens with somebody? And as soon as you do this, as soon as you look away, as soon as you have distraction going on in your being, the other person freezes mm. and it's uncomfortable. So getting to a place where you can embrace another being completely, give total attention, somebody, a great writer, I can't remember who said, the most generous act that you can do with another human being is give them full attention. So if you, if th this goes a long way to becoming nobody, because you can only do that if you drop out of all of the BS that you're constantly enacting in your day-to-day -day life, which is, you know, worry over one thing or another, or um, getting into a passionate affair and then that becomes everything that you can't even talk to another person never, you know, cause you're just completely sucked into that vortex. Then it moves along the film into the last sequence, which is around death, which Ramdas did a lot of work on around death and dying and, you know, and, and really trying to bring it in. It, it is life. It is part of life. It is not outside. It's not a bad accident. You know, and look what we're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis right now. All, so many people dying. And it's not a matter of being callous. Well, that's karma, you know. It's a matter of being with it so that we are not in fear. So that uh, if I'm a doctor or a nurse in a hospital, and I'm the only one that's there when someone is passing, it'd be great if, if I wasn't afraid, mm. right? And I could be there in that moment with that with that being. That's becoming nobody. 
Yeah, beautiful. So, so, so beautiful. I think he reminds me, uh, one of my favorite poets, his name is David White, and he's, he's quite a prolific philosopher and poet. And he says, uh, beauty is the harvest of presence. And, you know, really, really talking about love that. Yeah. How, how relevant presence is for us to witness what's already there, you know, what's already in existence. And that we actually, the, you know, the ego and the mind clutters, uh, clutters our ability to, to just be a witness to what's already there. So that, that came up while I was listening to what you were saying, but, mm. but on that, you know, when, when we become present, we also become quite a bit more present to our fear. And I think you were you were just touching on that. And so maybe just before we wrap up here, can you just speak a little bit more into what your journey with with fear has been? And and maybe not specifically your journey, but but what Ramdas taught about how we can face our fears and the importance of that, and and how we start to integrate and cultivate a relationship with that part of ourselves. Uh, not not to be doing a commercial right now. It just struck me. I'm sorry, Connor. It's okay. <laughs> But I guess, and it's back to uh, the teacher, Joseph Goldstein, who I mentioned when my this young man asked him what he could do, stop clinging. Yeah. Joseph is the expert on mindfulness. He wrote a book called Mindfulness. It's a big tome that's just fantastic. Forget about all this other new age shit that's out there around mindfulness, okay? Everybody go get that book, Mindfulness by uh, Joseph Goldstein. I had him on a podcast with, actually with my son, who works for the foundation as well, Noah. And he wanted, and it, during this time, and, and my son was having a lot of anxiety and so on. And uh, he said, can I, can I get in on a, a podcast with Joseph? I said, all right, let me see if Joseph will do it. Of course he did. And he directly addressed this question, and in, 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 it was just beautiful, beautiful response and he talked about how he had gone through fear earlier part of his life and so on. And uh, so I suggest you all go over to BeHereNowNetwork.com and slash mind rolling and look for Joseph Goldstein. But but there's fear is so powerful because as soon as you have the thought, this huge welling comes up in your pit of your stomach and it feels like, Wow. I'll never get over this. You know, it is such a powerful thing, fear. Uh, fear and sex, right? Two powerful things. Uh, so the only way I know in the moment and that I have dealt with it, and I don't always do it, uh, I, you know, I don't always follow my own advice because maybe I'm going to get overwhelmed and I'm, you know, I, I sit down. <laughs> That's the first thing I do is sit down and just take a few breaths into the center of my chest just to get through and just convert the power of the fear through through breath right, yeah, you got it's it's somatic thing right you got mm -hmm. to relate with your body in that moment and then once you do that then and you you can just go into a space of awareness of this tremendous emotion and and the thought that generated it and then hopefully you can allow it to be okay you know what could happen hmm. and usually people go well 
okay, in this case, maybe the fear was around, I went into a supermarket and somebody coughed and I didn't have my mask on, you know, and now I'm going to think about that, you know, and, and what's the fear? The fear is of death. The fear is of suffering. And then I go back to, aside from practice, not aside from, because it's concomitant, I think uh, we all got to realize there is a something that is deep down in the center of our being that is part of everything, including a guide of some sort. I mean, I do believe everyone has that. And it may be in their lives, in our lives, it may be only finding that trust in the intuitive process inside us. You know, that one, th oh, somebody's going to tell me something and then something else happens. And I just, it's about my intention to become free of fear, of, of the reaction rather, not the thing, because we're always going to have the thing, but the reactions that we have around all of the thought forms that come to us. So if we can just have a little tiny bit of, I mean, it can be Christ, it can be Buddha, it can be Muhammad, whatever being is out there that you feel connected with, engender a relationship with that being. And, you know, Ramdas used to say, I have a room where I go to, it's called imagination. And I go into the room and I talk, in his case, and in my case, talk to Neem Karoli Baba. Okay, I got this crazy-ass fear going on and I'm, blah, 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 you know, a light, light a lamp into the dissipation of this, please, you know, as a prayer or whatever. But there's a, there is a reality to faith. There really is. I, that's got to be part of the whole package of doing the kind of practice that creates spaciousness that you're not caught, you know, because as we've been talking about, the ego is a lousy master, but not a bad servant, right? To, to do what we need to do in this life. Hmm. So I, I think it's a combination of, of understanding that practice needs to be there in order for us to work through the kinds of things that trap us really, you know, and we cling to. And at the same time, create some kind of space where you realize that you're being taken care of. We are being taken care of. Yeah. And it's, but it doesn't mean it's going to be pretty all the time, <laughs> as we yeah. are seeing right now. Yeah, yeah, as we're seeing right now. Yeah, I mean, I, one, of the, one of the things, there's, a, there's four words that unlocked part of that for me from Alan Watts. And he, I remember reading it years ago. I was actually living here in Vancouver at the time. And uh, I was reading his book, The Wisdom of Insecurities. And there was four words that, he, he, that I underlined and I highlighted and I meditated on for weeks after that. And it just said, belief clings and faith allows. And, mm. and it was just so simple and so profound. But I, I really, f I felt it in my body. I felt, you know, the, the essence of what you're talking about is that when we have faith, we allow those things to show up. We allow fear to be present. We allow ourselves to get caught in the ego and lost and then come back and do the whole thing over again and, and, and start anew. And so did Alan say the, he said that Alan? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I never heard that. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, they've, they've stuck with me. They really, they've, they've been a, a cornerstone for me personally, but, mm. um, 
listen, I, I, I want to honor your time. And this has been such a, such an honor for me. And, uh, and I think for my audience and, uh, you know, I know that you are working on a, uh, a few things right now outside of becoming nobody. So if you can just give me some, give us some context for uh, what you're working on these days. I think you were working on a virtual summit and that, that you have going on right now. Um, but where can people learn more about you and the work and, and, and the movie? Mm. Well, there's a website for the movie called becomingnobody.com. So you certainly can go there. Um, and ramdas.org, two S's for Ramdas. And be, uh, be here now network.com, which is the podcast network, which has all of these people I've been talking about Jack Cornfield and Krishna Das and Sharon Salzberg, Joseph, all of it. And Ram Das and myself, I do a podcast called Mind Rolling and talk to some amazing people on a week to week. And uh, I, yeah, sign up for Ramdas Daughter because when you said that, the first thing I thought of that would be useful for people is our development director, Rachel Fisher, every week is putting out a newsletter mm. that's a combination of, of, of different podcasts where people have been talking about how to handle what's going on and the fear and anxiety and chaos that we're in right now. Uh, stuff from Ramdas, meditations, all of it on a week week basis that I think would be extraordinarily helpful for everybody. I mean, it's really a well put together thing. So just go to ramdas.org and uh, uh, put your email in and you can even write to info at ramdas.org and, uh, and ask, Hey, I want these, you know, these newsletters that you're talking called resources for resilience hmm. and resilience is a huge thing. And, and not to, go backwards in our little conversation here. But when there was a, I've had a couple of points in my life where resilience dropped very low. My resilience wasn't, and not in the too distant past. It was just not there robustly the way that I have been used to it. And that was, uh, that was a, those were tough times. So resilience is what we need right now, don't we, you know? So uh, definitely uh, get over to ramdas.org and put your email in or write to info and, and uh, she'll take care of you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me on the show. And um, it's been such a pleasure to just get the chance to connect with you and learn about some of this lineage and, mm-hmm. and some of the teachings. It's, it's wonderful. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for being, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for being here too. Yeah, well, well, you know, I'll have to come down to LA at some point. And we'll have yeah. to do an in-person, uh, in-person, uh, you know, review in the, in the future when we can actually travel again yeah. <laughs> and meet in person. Well, hopefully, it's uh, still in this century. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. So, thank you so much for joining me. And for everyone that's out there listening, uh, the links will all be in the show notes for you to check out the movie and all all the work that they're doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, don't forget to share this episode goes a long way and definitely check out the movie becoming nobody. I absolutely loved it. Can't stress it enough. Such, such great teachings and it's incredibly filmed. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, by the way, you can go to Gaia TV and stream it. Perfect. Not in Canada yet, but soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's there's downloads and all that rentals, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.